Hey everyone, I'm Alex Lieberman, co-founder and executive chairman of Morning Brew. This is season two of Fresh Invest, your favorite investing podcast sponsored by Fidelity Investments and powered by Morning Brew. Today's topic is a big one. We are diving headfirst into cryptocurrency. Crypto is one of the buzziest topics in sectors from finance to tech and geographies from Europe to San Francisco. Lots of people think it's the future of money. Others disagree or agree, but have concerns about how that future will look. In this episode, we'll briefly review the basics of crypto with Matt Horn, VP of Sales and Relationship Management for Fidelity Digital Funds, summarize the evolution it's undergone as an industry, and discuss where we in the laserized community find ourselves now. Then next week, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of how to incorporate crypto in your portfolio. Ready? Hold on tight. We're taking off. Welcome, Matt. Really excited to have you here. Thanks for having me, Alex. Pleasure to be here. So I want to start by learning a little bit more about you. Can you explain who you are and what it is that you do at uh, Fidelity Investments? Sure. So Matt Horn, I'm head of business development for Fidelity Digital Funds. Think of it as a startup or an emerging business that's uh, building out investment solutions in this emerging digital asset space. I've been here about nine years, mainly on the exchange-traded fund side of our business. I fell down the crypto rabbit hole personally in 2017, Fidelity being in this space for a number of years. And look, taking a long-term view here, we, we built out a few commercial offerings, and I was fortunate enough to turn my career in this direction in late 2019 and help build out Fidelity Digital Funds. So you've spent four and change years in crypto. So you, at this point, you are like in the 99.9th percentile of understanding kind of this wild west. But- for a lot of retail investors and just people, they're just getting used to the terminology, understanding the asset class. So I'd love for you to just start with the basics. Can you just summarize what the basic value of cryptocurrency is for investors and for consumers to have people just have an entree into this space? For sure. So it's going to depend on which digital asset you're talking about. So let's just kind of start with Bitcoin. So Bitcoin, generally speaking, it's a decentralized way to store and transfer value globally, nearly instantaneously, without the reliance on a trusted third party, which is quite disruptive, right? Um, it also sort of brought to the forefront the idea of digital scarcity, which really wasn't conceivable until Bitcoin came around. Generally speaking, digital assets are open source protocol, so anyone can participate. Very low barriers to entry, which I think is incredibly exciting. I mean, they're global, so you have these networks up and running with global participation. So I think it's very exciting to see what's getting built on these various blockchains. So, you know, I think something like Bitcoin, I would think of it, you know, digital store of value, transfer of value, digital scarcity, and then something like Ethereum is a little bit different, different use case, where essentially think of that as like the Lego building blocks of a potential, you know, decentralized financial system. And I think that's where you're seeing a lot of excitement in that space right now. Yeah, and I mean, to that point, like, understanding the distinction of many cryptocurrencies is so important because a lot of them just serve wildly different functions, right? You could probably spend multiple years studying each one of them, right? Like you have, like you could go deep in Bitcoin and really understand what is this digital gold potential new digital medium of exchange look like, or you could spend time on Ethereum, which is effectively building an entire new economy built on top of blockchain technology. It's interesting because you've spent now four years in this. 
but I feel like every month feels like a year in itself. So you've basically been in this thing for like 40 years. So can you just catch people up? What has the last year been like in the world of crypto? And then we'll start there. And I would actually love to hear after that kind of your perspective on what this four-year journey has been like for you also. But let's talk about the last year. It's been wild. Um, so, you know, here at Fidelity, I'd say it's just been all about momentum on the client engagement side. I think in Q4 last year is when I recognized the inflection point, especially with, you know, the advisor community and institutional community, where I think folks began to really accept this as an asset class and, and have it on their radar. So I think, you know, the price action, the continued network adoption sort of hit a tipping point, I'd say, around Q4 of last year. And it really hasn't turned down. Even with the volatility, we still see tremendous interest in folks exploring this asset class. Now, it's a journey for every investor, right? It's not simply you read a blog about Bitcoin and go and buy it if you're a big pension fund. It's quite a journey, right? So there's a lot of things that... Um, investors have to go through in their due diligence process. And, and that's why Fidelity is here. We're here to help educate and really handhold to a degree as investors want to enter this asset class. So a lot of my time is spent on the education front, just helping folks get from zero to one on understanding the space. And it tends to start with Bitcoin. It tends to be the gateway asset class, as you'd imagine, given it, it was the first you know, digital asset. It was the first blockchain. It's the largest by market cap. It sort of has that proven use case of, you know, digital store of value, whereas, you know, there's thousands of other tokens out there where the use case may not be as prevalent. So Bitcoin tends to be the, the most I talk about. But, you know, we are seeing Ethereum come up more often, given the growth we're seeing in things like decentralized finance, as well as, you know, NFTs. Yep. So just paint a picture for a second. When you stepped into this in 2017, what was the space like? Super early. And it's all self-taught, right? So there is no PhD or undergrad degree in crypto. So, and that's the beauty of it. It is totally you know, democratized where if you want to do the work and become an expert on the space, you can easily do it through things like podcasts, Twitter, you know, medium posts, and there's a handful of books out there that are great as well, but it, it's all out there and it's all accessible. So it's again, low barrier to entry. So it was early days. It was honestly a, a hobby for a lot of us where we would do our day job during the day. You know, I'd be talking about ETFs during the day and on my walk home from the office in Manhattan at the time I was living, I'd be listening to podcasts. And, and it was a great way to kind of get up the curve. And, and, and I tell folks, if you do 50 to 100 hours of your own research and self-teaching here, you could be easily in the 95th percentile of knowledge. Uh, it may be higher in crypto because it's all out there. It's just about doing the work, I'd say. Totally. And one other question that I just find really interesting because you have a longer experience in the space than most people do is what was the moment it clicked for you? Not whether Bitcoin will go up in value or down in value in the short term, but in kind of the fundamental value that it offers retail investors or institutional investors, what made it click for you that you're like, okay, there is something here? The key feature of Bitcoin that clicked for me, and it wasn't when I first saw it, was around this idea of digital scarcity. The idea that you can have value stored on the internet that essentially can't be copied. Because everyone assumes digital things can just be copy-pasted away and there's no sort of scarcity or value there. However, with the blockchain technology that Bitcoin operates on, you do have this idea of digital scarcity. Now, I'm one of these people where Bitcoin hit my radar back in 2013. I kind of dismissed it, of course. You know, my background, economics major in college. I was a nuclear submarine officer for a few years in the Navy, which is really multidisciplinary in a way. And I think that 
prepared me well for Bitcoin in an odd way because I didn't know a lot about engineering, various systems, chemistry, you know, nuclear physics, everything. And you come to Bitcoin and it's sort of this multidisciplinary asset class where you have computer science, game theory, economics, it's all there. That's what's captivating about it is that you can never stop learning about this the more you decompose this. So I would say the key feature of Bitcoin, especially given my economics background, uh, was that digital scarcity, sort of digital store of value, like a digital version of gold, essentially. Awesome. So another just added layer of complexity to this entire equation is stable coins. Stable coins have risen sharply in demand. And honestly, for a while, it took me a long time to understand what was the value prop? Why would I put any money in stable coins versus in Bitcoin or Ethereum? So just explain for our listeners what stable coins are and what's driving this rapid increase in demand for them. Yeah, so fundamentally, a stable coin is using blockchain technology to issue a digital asset that is backed by a fiat currency, most common a US dollar, right? And so backing that digital asset one-to-one is exposure to the U.S. dollar. Now, there's other things in there based on which stablecoin you're talking about, but generally speaking, they're backed by a dollar or short-term treasuries. So essentially, you're taking a stable value in a dollar, but kind of transforming it into a digital world, which you can now move around on blockchains and various platforms nearly instantaneously. So I think when folks start to use that technology when they're used to things like you know the Fedwire system or the ACH system, it's pretty mind-blowing. It's sort of one of those moments you have in life. It's like, wow, things could be changing here. So I think that's why you're seeing tremendous growth in the space. It's gone from, I think, $5 billion kind of market cap last year up to $120 billion this year. So the growth has been tremendous in the stablecoin space. And I think it's just taking frictions out of the system, right? Folks that, frictions that you and I, Alex, have dealt with for years, we kind of just say, oh, well, that's just a system we kind of operate in. Well, this technology is sort of saying maybe there's a different path here. We're still using, you know, fiat currency, dollar backing this. However, the rails are different, right? It's a much newer framework, newer rails on blockchain technology. And yeah, and this is when I think like you were kind of mentioning before that learning about crypto has been entirely democratized because you're not going to go get your degree in Bitcoin from some university. But if you want to do the work, you'll learn a lot about it. And what this makes me just think of is it's very much like an explorer's world in crypto, where the more you just explore and try things and get your hands dirty, the more you'll truly like just learn about the space and become pretty smart about it pretty quick. And so, you know, stable coins come to mind here where like even just testing small transactions with stable coins could be a really interesting way to truly appreciate the frictions we've had to deal with our entire lives as it relates to financial transactions through, like you said, the Fed wire system or ACH, but like actually going through a transaction via a stable coin may open your eyes to understanding just how much we've gotten used to just a unnecessarily slow way of doing things. It's crazy. Yeah, even things like streaming payments, you know, people are exploring with, it's kind of mind melting what could be done with this technology that you could not do, as you said, with kind of the legacy systems. So let's talk about this trend of businesses of all sizes, small businesses, large businesses, accepting Bitcoin and other crypto as a form of payment. I think I literally saw the other day someone, it may have been in San Francisco or another major city, someone was paying for their parking meter using Ethereum. What do you think is prompting businesses to accept Bitcoin as payment? 
Do you think others will follow suit? And I think this is really the undercurrent of this question is really asking, do you think Bitcoin or, or any other form of crypto is going to go from being, and especially in the case of Bitcoin, go from being a store of value or digital gold to a true medium of exchange? Yeah, it's a great question. So I, I think you're seeing businesses turn on digital asset payments of various forms because it is customer driven. So I think forward thinking businesses want to cater to where their clients' expectations are going. And you're seeing some of them start to experiment with offering various forms of, of digital asset payments, right? So you know, even things like Dogecoin, I think a few NBA teams were accepting at one point. I would not expect this trend to stop. I, I think you're seeing more and more legacy financial systems start to integrate this technology for the customers. So I just think as time goes on, it becomes more sort of ingrained in the system, which is great because we're you know about 12 years in from the Bitcoin protocol going live in January of 09. And, it's, and look how far it's come in just 12 years, right? It's here we are with thousands of digital assets, folks are accepting payments, et cetera. The general use case for Bitcoin right now is storing value. So if you ask you know, a true Bitcoiner, they might say, I don't want to pay with my Bitcoin because I want to hold it. It's, it's what I want to store my value in. But that being said, you and I right now can go ahead and spend your Bitcoin. The question is, you know, do you want to? Because there are considerations there, right? You lose your Bitcoin if you spend it. You, uh, of course, potentially have a tax consequence based on when you bought the Bitcoin. So there is some sort of clarity needed on the tax side for some of these smaller transactions where it, otherwise it wouldn't make sense. I think Bitcoin potentially could become like a prime collateral, a prime reserve asset in a decentralized financial system through which you and I could borrow against it, just like people borrow against you know assets now like real estate, et cetera. Maybe Bitcoin becomes that in the future. I don't know. And you never really have to sell it because you're just using it as collateral because it is a sort of scarce store of value. So now I want to leave listeners with some tactical stuff from you. And what I mean by that is for people who want to be the next Matt Horn and they are listening to you, they listen to the level of depth you have in this space. You've spent four years in it, basically spending all of your time on it. But crypto is super daunting for people. While there's a lot of content out there, a lot of it can be complex. There's a lot of, I would say, content that shouts with commentary and opinion versus what is fact. From your experience of going through this journey of learning about Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, and if there's fundamental value for users with them, what have you learned to be the best place to go to learn more and get, let's call it like your best return on time spent? So hands down, it's going to be Twitter. Um, you know, the crypto space sort of lives on Twitter for better or worse at times. Um, but you're seeing some of the most cutting edge research put out on Twitter for free every day. And it, it really does at times melt my mind as to how some of this is just free sitting out there. It, it's top notch. You know, I, I think if you think of like sort of the legacy financial system and the way firms sort of, you know, kind of kept their best research for the best sort of clients who was sort of, you know, behind a paywall, you're not really seeing that in crypto. It's the opposite where it's totally transparent. Folks will put their convicted ideas out there and let people critique it and, and help improve it. And I think you've seen that over the last 18, 24 months with various valuations frameworks like stock to flow and, you know, other things and people have improved upon this. So I think it's great, honestly, for the ecosystem. But if I was starting out, I would just honestly just Google something like top 20 crypto people to follow on Twitter and just follow them. And of course, the way Twitter works is they'll be retweeting stuff from other posters and, and it sort of becomes a, a network effect at that point. But I think best bang for your buck is honestly get on Twitter, 
drop into some of those chats folks have now. And second would be podcasting. Honestly, there's so many free podcasts out there that are just really good. Curated list of Twitter and podcasts. That's uh, where you can go to go deeper in the space. Matt, one more question for you from our listeners. One of our listeners asked, how can I be more involved in my investments in cryptocurrency? Yeah, so it's it's obviously going to vary based on everyone's situation and their risk tolerance and their portfolio goals. But step one is hands down, just start to learn about this. You know, get your hands dirty, start to research it, get a mental model for what this is and wh- where you think it might be going. And, and based on that and your portfolio goals, that's when I would say to start engage with the asset classes, you know, various investments, what makes sense. But step one, obviously, is understand your situation and then have some early research into what this could be. And then I think you'll feel more confident, you know, entering the space if it makes sense for you. Love it. Matt Horn, thank you so much for joining the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate the time. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you all got a stronger sense of where crypto as an asset class stands right now. It is a fascinating new field, and there's just a wealth of info out there. But while crypto has definitely gained mainstream momentum, there's still some uncertainty in the space. The best thing you can do if you're interested is to read a lot and hear from folks like Matt Horn and the team at Fidelity Digital Assets who spend a lot of time thinking about crypto. If nothing else, crypto is a fascinating thought experiment. It's fun to contemplate questions like what counts as an investment or even what is money? Next week's episode, we'll be digging into how to think of crypto as a part of an investing strategy. See you then. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Hey everyone, this is Erica Gunn from Morning Brew. And as the producer of Fresh Invest, I'm here to let you know that this podcast was created on behalf of Fidelity Investments by the Morning Brew Creative Studio and does not reflect the opinions or point of view of the Morning Brew editorial team. Sources are provided for informational and reference purposes only. They are not an endorsement of Fidelity Investments or Fidelity Investments products. And on their side, Fidelity is the paid sponsor of this podcast, which includes providing Fidelity personnel for interviews and publications with Morning Brew Studios on content development. Fidelity and Morning Brew are independent entities. Information presented herein is for discussion and illustrative purposes only and is not a recommendation or an offer solicitation to buy or sell any securities. The views and opinions expressed by the speaker are his or her own as of the date of the recording and do not necessarily represent the views of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. Any such views are subject to change at any time based on market or other conditions, and Fidelity disclaims any responsibility to update such views. These views should not be relied on as investment advice, and because investment decisions are based on numerous factors, may not be relied on as an indication of training intent on behalf of any Fidelity product. Neither Fidelity nor the Fidelity speaker can be held responsible for any direct or incidental loss occurred by applying any of the information offered. Please consult your tax or financial advisor for additional information concerning your specific situation. This podcast is intended for U.S. persons only and is not a solicitation for any Fidelity product or service. This podcast is provided for your personal non-commercial use and may contain copyrighted works of FMR LLC, which are protected by law. You may not reproduce this podcast in whole or in part in any form without the permission of FMR LLC. Fidelity and the Fidelity Investments and Pyramid Design logo are registered service marks of FMR LLC. 
Copyright 2021, FMR LLC. All rights reserved. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Digital assets, including Bitcoin, are speculative and highly volatile, can be illiquid at any time, and are for investors with a high risk tolerance. Investors in digital assets could lose the entire value of the investment and requires the experience and ability to evaluate risk and merits of an investment in Bitcoin. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE, SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917. See you next time.